back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph Albiero. I'm here with the fantasy phenom, Alex Lott. And we're getting into some wide receiver rankings today. I think we're going to have some spicy oh, yeah. takes and some disagreements on some of these players where we're at. Alex, you ready to get into this class? I'm hyped. We're breaking down the top 10 rookie wide receivers. We just did the top eight running backs, also the top five quarterbacks. Check those out on our channel if you haven't already. But these receivers are going to be tons of fun. It's a deep class. Hope you have some round two draft picks this year. Because outside of the, the few guys that are going to go in round one, there is a, a long, long list of names that could potentially have round two talent in your rookie draft. So, Steph, you want to kick us off with number one? This one's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, huge debate here, right? Jamar Chase, number one overall. You're, if you guys were coming here today to hear some spice, you were ready to hear Devonta Smith at number one, or you were ready to hear... Rondell Moore or Jalen Waddle at number one. You're not getting that today. It is Jamar Chase. Now, one of the things that and it's been talked about to death, but with these wide receivers too, it is a deep class, but it's not a very top heavy class. Jamar Chase is the clear one. And then after that, you immediately get into some red flags when you do have guys like Devontae Smith who are undersized. You have Rashad Bateman who came in, who knows what at his pro day, we can attribute a little bit of that to COVID. He did say he lost 10 pounds there. But with Jamar Chase, this guy is, you're not going to find a much safer of a prospect at the wide receiver position. You know, I, I do think, though, that the expectations were a little bit too high relative to what he showed at his pro day. Now, especially for a guy who opted out of the 2020 season, we needed to see him show out at the pro day to say, look, this guy wasn't just sitting on the couch all season. And he looked like he was ready to go, came in at six foot 201. Now, why that's disappointing is because the expectation was a little bit higher. You know, I think for a lot of people, myself included, we were expecting Jamar Chase to come in similar to like an AJ Brown type of combine. You know, a guy who's six foot 226, maybe not quite that big, but we expected him to weigh a little bit more. But I think he did make up for that. Uh, from a speed perspective, you know, maybe we just take him down from an AJ Brown comp to more of like a CD Lamb comp or a DJ Moore. And those are definitely guys that I'm still willing to take in the first round, in the first half of the first round in my dynasty leagues. If I need a wide receiver, man, I don't want to beat a dead horse with Jamar Chase, the clear number one, you nailed it. But I will say the thing I want to reiterate is the difference is there's just no red flags. We have the production. We have the physical intangibles. We have the measurables in terms of his speed. We also have his burst score, 97th percentile, 97th percentile burst score, which is a blended combination of your vertical and your broad jump. So the explosiveness is there as well. So he's the clear number one, Steph. Let's move on to number two, a guy with some red flags. Moving into tier two now because Chase is in a tier of his own. And it's Devontae Smith, a guy we actually both have at number two. So we're not going to get into a disagreement yet. All right. But at six foot, he is only 170. And that's one of the big concerns for Smith is his size. But Smith does have great hands. He has great route running and separation ability. He's had one of the most dominant college seasons we have ever seen. I mean, he won the Heisman as a wide receiver. That's absurd in and of itself. I'm usually only doing that on you know, NCAA football 14 or whatever the last one was that they came out with. 
Shout out to that game coming back this year. But Smith, 117 receptions, 1,856 yards, 23 touchdowns last season at Alabama. 79.6% catch rate, 34.6% target share, only a 2.9% drop rate. So one of the best set of hands in this class. Devontae Smith's a fantastic player. We've seen it on tape. We've seen it on the field. We see it in the stat line. But it's just that 170 number for his size that's the big red flag also 22 years old already but Steph how concerned are you about Smith weighing in at one set you know the the I'm concerned but Smith's already shown us that he is an outlier with this production if you're gonna say well you're betting on an outlier it's like if there's ever an outlier to bet on it's Devontae Smith a guy that just had almost 2,000 receiving yards, an 80% catch rate on 147 targets. This guy can can produce at the highest level against the toughest competition at the size that he's at. And at the end of the day, football, it's about winning your overall. It's about winning your matchup. And at the end, it doesn't matter really how you win as long as you can win that matchup. And for Devonta Smith, he's shown that he can do that consistently against teams like Ohio State, Clemson, at the highest stages. Just this guy was everything. And that's why he won the Heisman. 23 touchdowns with that too. Had a season where he had 100% catch rate his sophomore year. It's like super impressive. This guy's been good for a long time. Who knows if he would have broken out much sooner if Jerry Judy and, and Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddle weren't also in that receiver room with him. But say what you want about him being undersized. He's shown he can get it done. And that's all you need to see. I know all the tape grinders out there love this guy too. And he has the stat lines to back it up. It's one red flag. And at the end of the day, what happens on the field is what what matters most. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with you there. All that matters is what happens on the field. And with Devontae Smith, I do expect him to actually put on some weight. As he gets into the NFL, I mean, he's still only 22 years old. I have no doubt, you know, if he's 170, we could end up seeing him play at 180, 185. We'll see what happens with his separation, his quickness, and his speed. But I do expect him to put on some weight as he continues to just grow up as a man. Um, So, yes, a little bit concerning with the weight, but I'm not out on Devontae Smith because of the weight. I expect him to get really, really high draft capital as well, potentially in the top 10. So, love to see that. But, Steph... We're going to start getting into some disagreements here. So Already? Already. So let's... We're only at number three. So let's throw our rankings on the screen here just so people can kind of visualize where we're going to go next. But we'll talk about your number three. My number four, it's Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Steph, I have Jalen Waddle at number three. You have him much further oh. down your list. But I want to hear from you what... You like about Rashad Bateman, and why do you have him all the way up at the number three spot? Well, the first thing I got to say about Bateman, you know, since the last time we recorded and talked about him, and and you know, did a whole two rounds of a a rookie mock. You guys can see that third round in our Discord channel. We post our entire rookie draft boards on there. We're starting leagues in there as well. Buy-ins from ten dollars up to some pretty high stakes leagues. So hop in there, play some Dynasty against us. Nothing more fun than a startup right now in this this kind of dead time of the season before the draft. But with Rashad Bateman, that the pro day was disappointing, you know, and it's it's been talked about. It's egregious. 
Minnesota <laughs> deserves to be punished. I'm ready for the NCAA to put some sanctions down on these guys that listed him as 6'2", on their website because he came in at six foot 190. Now, one of the things we have to look at in, in the context of Rashad Bateman is that he did say that he was diagnosed with COVID-19, um, and he dealt with some of that for a bit, said he lost 10 pounds from getting diagnosed with COVID. So even if we say he's 200 pounds, you know, it's still not the 220, the 210 that we were hoping he would be. And he still wasn't 6'2", but at this rate, it still doesn't matter. It really all just changed his comp from Allen Robinson to Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Right. Just a guy who's a little bit smaller. But this guy gets open and he's been really good for a long time. And analytically, he's one of the safest prospects in this draft. It's why I had him over Devontae Smith for a very long time. Because one of the biggest correlations to a wide receiver being a top 24 producer in fantasy leagues is commanding target share at a young age. And if we talk about breakout age, that's a big deal for wide receivers. Rashad Bateman broke out before he even turned 19. And as a freshman at Minnesota, had 704 receiving yards, a 27.2% target share, six receiving touchdowns in 13 games. And then all he did was continue to build upon that. Ended up opting out after five games in the 2020 season because of the assurance that he was going to get that draft capital in the league. Felt like he had done enough. And I think he had uh, because not only did he continue to get better every year, he had one of the highest yards per receptions. He had one of the highest dominators. He had one of the highest target shares, an 87 percentile target share in that junior season, the last season that we saw. So whether we're looking at the stats, whether we're looking at him on the field, he was able to produce with other pro caliber talents in that receiver room. We look at Tyler Johnson, who was his receiver mate at Minnesota, now balling out a little bit on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know, as you know, Alex, I am a big Tyler mm-hmm. Johnson fan. So give me Rashad Bateman too. He showed consistent high-level production in a Power 5 conference, and he has the measurables to back it up. Maybe the measurables weren't as high as we wanted them to come in at, but it's definitely not enough to to say, you know, he's not a good football player or anything like that. Give me Rashad Bateman in the back of the first round all day. Yeah, I like it, and I don't have much to add. I mean, I have in, in my notes as well, he's a Stephon Diggs comp, almost identical size and speed, has the ability to get open. One red flag for Bateman, not a red flag, more of a yellow flag, 7.7% drop rate in college, a little bit high, but definitely something he can work on. And, you know, we even see guys like Deontay Johnson dropping passes left, right, and center. It's not going to find him a spot on the bench as long as you're a good receiver and you can get open. So I'm not buying too much into that. His hands are fine in my opinion. And I actually like Rashad Bateman and me having him at four is not as much about me not liking Bateman as it is about me liking Jalen Waddle. And Steph, I'm surprised if we look at the rankings here to see you with Jalen Waddle at number seven. That is egregious in my opinion. But let me talk to you about why I have Jalen Waddle at number three. Yes, he is 22 years old already, but at 5'10", 182, Jalen Waddell is a true burner. He is a true speed guy, a wide receiver with his entire game built around an unteachable quality 
which is his speed. I think his upside could be Tyreek Hill if he continues to develop his route running ability as he grows in the NFL. I think he is much closer to Tyreek Hill than he is to a Henry Ruggs. And while he missed a big chunk of 2020 with an ankle injury, he had 28 receptions, 591 yards, and four touchdowns in six games. That's 21.1 yards per catch. I know there's a late breakout age for Jalen Waddle, but Steph, we've talked about this a bunch. That's not about his lack of talent. It's about the depth chart at Alabama. Had Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Jerry Judy all there. Um, he still made plays in the, in the opportunities he was given. He made special teams plays as well. He had an 84% career catch rate at Alabama on 126 targets. This is a guy that you can send straight down the field for a bomb. You can get the ball in his hands near the line of scrimmage and watch him do magic after the catch. And I think Jalen Waddell, if given the right opportunity with the volume, is going to be an absolute stud in the NFL. So give me Jalen Waddell at number three. Uh, in terms of wide receivers in this class, because there's a lot of things you can teach these guys. You can put on five, 10 pounds. You can teach guys to become better route runners. You can work on your technique. You can't teach speed, and Jalen Model has it. He also has just the sixth sense ability to make guys miss. So that's why I love Jalen Model at the three spot. Well, you said my Jalen Waddle at, at seven, wide receiver seven. Is it egregious? I, I think having him at three is egregious. <laughs> And this is going to be our, our clear, you know, biggest debate here in our rankings. I'm curious, guys, weigh in on the comments down below who you think is more egregious with their ranking because, look, I, I get it, man. Jalen Waddle was in the highest level of competition when he got the opportunity. He was efficient. But if I take the college helmet out of it, there's just other guys I like more in this class. He never had a monster season. He couldn't even beat Henry Ruggs to play the field stretcher role at Alabama when you had Tua and Mac Jones singing the ball. And, and Ruggs, we have seen, he hasn't done anything in the league. Uh, and I, I do think Waddle will outproduce Ruggs at the next level. But if we're going to say he's going to be a Tyreek Hill, not to call you out specifically, because I do see that comp thrown around a ton, I don't want to bet on a Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is the outlier of all outliers, both from his breakout age from what he's been able to do, what's more likely? That Jalen Waddle is a John Ross or a Darius Hayward Bay, or that he's a Deshaun Jackson or a Tyreek Hill. More than likely, he's somewhere in the middle, maybe call him a, a John Brown or a Will Fuller type guy, which are certainly names that I will take in fantasy, but not, not over some of the other names in this class, which I do think are a lot safer of prospects. And then the guys who didn't test this year, when, when there's question marks like we have for Jalen Waddle, like the lack of production, like the lack of target share, never had a true monster season, you got to make up for that by showing that you can get it done athletically as a prospect. And we just don't have that from Jalen Waddle. Now, I'm sure he's super fast, but we really don't know. I'm sure that the 5'9", 180 measurements that we have on him are, are pretty accurate. But when I see a guy like that and compare him to, a, let's say, a Rondell Moore, who's out here, even though he is coming in undersized, but is willing to show, guys, look, I know I'm 5'7", but I can check every single other box you can imagine as a prospect. We don't have that from Jalen Waddle. So for me, it's the guy that I gravitate away from. 
I know I'm going against the grain here. Even in a worst case scenario, a lot of people have Waddle in their top six. It's just not the type of guy that I like. And we'll talk about some of the other names here. I get your concerns about the pro day stuff. I get your concerns about the production and, you know, quote unquote, inability to beat out Henry Ruggs. But it just, you know, values in the eye of the beholder. And for a lot of people, some of these guys not doing their pro day is smart. It's like Jalen Waddle's already going to be a first round draft pick. Oh, I think it's great for the player. Yeah. And so it's great for the it, player. I just don't want to bet on it. I think it's less about him hiding something than it is about just a strategic decision. And who knows, maybe he would have come out on his pro day and absolutely lit the world on fire. It's just impossible to say him not doing his pro day is some court, so, sort of like indictment on his, on his ability on the field and everything we saw from him on tape at Alabama. So look, I get what you're saying about Tyreek Hill. He is an outlier, but there is still a lot of opportunity. And look, when I compare him to Tyreek Hill, I'm not saying he's going to be Tyreek Hill. I think there's a lot of room in between, a lot of opportunity for him to be a really, really good NFL receiver for a long time. You know, I like the next couple guys on this list. The more, the more, the mores, as we like to call them, Elijah and Rondale, Terrace Marshall as well. I think it's a deep wide receiver class, but you just can't teach speed. I like Waddle's skill set. I like the plays he was able to make when given the opportunity. I like his ability to go deep, to take it near the line of scrimmage, and just make guys miss. And it's 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 something that I think he's going to translate well into the NFL. He can be a special teams guy as well on punt returns, kick returns. Um, so maybe he's he's more of a Tyler Lockett. Who knows? Tyler Lockett started out doing a lot of special teams and really crafted his game into being a true number one wide receiver. So that's a path I could see Jalen Waddell taking. And I get your I get your takes about the deep wide receiver class and him just kind of being a guy, you know, when we look at some of these other prospects. But I'm a believer in Waddle. I believe what I saw on tape. I believe in the speed. And that's why he's number three for me. So the next guy I want to talk about, he's next in my rankings. I do have him at number four. And it's a guy that Alex, we this guy's been all over the place in our rankings. We've loved him. We've hated him. <laughs> but at this point, I, I, I'm, I'm in love with him. Terrace Marshall, this guy could easily just be Justin Jefferson 2.0. And if we actually look at a comparison on a, on a per-game basis, very similar levels of production. If we look at what they did in their junior seasons, Justin Jefferson, 102.6 yards per game, 7.4 receptions per game, 1.2 touchdowns per game. Terrace Marshall, 104 receiving yards per game, 6.8 receptions per game, and 1.4 touchdowns per game. So very, very similar production. And and Terrace Marshall was able to do that without Joe Burrow, without the best college offense of all time, without 60 touchdowns to go around to all the weapons. And to that, to me, is extremely impressive. And the one, the one red flag that you could say with Terrace Marshall, and the reason why I think I don't think he's getting a lot of love. Uh, I think he is getting some respect. I don't want to say he's slapped on by any means because a lot of people are high on him, like I am. But Marshall scored a ton of touchdowns, but never saw a monster target share. Even though he was very efficient, he was just as efficient as Justin Jefferson. But that's the one weak spot. It's a big one. Never saw the monster target share, but that can be explained. With the competition, we can look at Justin Jefferson, who is 6'1", 202, ran a 4'4", 3", Terrace Marshall, 6'2", 205, runs a 4'4", so very similar, again, athletically. And Terrace Marshall can do a lot for a team. 
Just like Justin Jefferson, who was a monster out of the slot, Terrace Marshall slid right into that role for LSU and caught 97.9% of his passes from the slot in 2020. So he has the size and speed, I think, not only to play the slot, but also play the outside role. He was a five-star college recruit. He opted out the back half of 2020 because it's projected that he's going to go in the first or second round. And even this year was competing with Kayshawn Butte for target share. In 2019 was also competing with Jamar Chase for target share. And we saw where Jamar Chase is in our rankings. So I have Marshall over Waddle because he was still able to produce against better competition. And to me, he's just a much safer prospect. But Alex, what do you think about Terrace Marshall? I like Terrace Marshall a lot. I like everything you just said. Um, about Marshall, and I just think it's phenomenal that he was able to do what he did at LSU with all of that talent there. Uh, I do think he's predominantly going to play the slot in the NFL, but I love his speed. I mean, he ran a 4-4-0 on his pro day, 85th percentile speed score, 85th percentile burst score, 6-2-205. I mean, this guy's got juice. He's got size. Go. He's got everything you want in an NFL wide receiver, so I'm with you on Terrace Marshall, and I like him a lot. And if we look at our rankings here, I do have him at number seven. And that's not an indictment on Marshall at all. I really do like him as a player and a prospect. But it's more about how much I like these two more guys, Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore, who you and I both have at five and six. I have Elijah Moore at five. You have Rondell Moore at five. Steph, I'm going to hit on Elijah Moore here, and then I want to hear what you have to say about Rondell as we talk about these Moore brothers even though they're not brothers go. in the middle um, of these wide receiver rankings. But with Elijah, these guys are so fun. Yeah. I mean, 5'9, 185. So he's small, but he ran a 4'3, 40 yard dash at his pro day. He's not even 21 years old yet. And when I see Elijah Moore play, he reminds me of Antonio Brown. He's a little bit undersized, but he's an absolute force with speed, with elusiveness, with yards after catch ability. Just has this like intelligence about him. When he's on the field, the ability to get open, the ability to be crafty and creative in his route running. He had a dominant season in 2020 at Ole Miss. 86 receptions for 1,193 yards and eight touchdowns. That was in just eight games. So to me, there are plenty of teams that could use a guy like Elijah Moore in the slot. Yes, he is probably slot dependent at this point in his career. But as he progresses as a pro, I would love to see him kind of take that Antonio Brown route and be able to flex in and out of the slot play on the outside. But even as is, I think he's a fantastic slot receiver. He's got the speed. He's got the quickness. And he just has a knack for getting open. So Elijah Moore from Ole Miss is my number five guy in this class because I think he's just going to be a PPR monster in the NFL. Elijah Moore is definitely one of the most exciting prospects in this class. He's been rising on a lot of people's draft boards relegated DK Metcalf to a 9.5% target share as a true freshman after DK had had a 17% target share the year prior. And when AJ Brown and DK Moore, DK Metcalf left that receiver room at Ole Miss, Elijah Moore took over as the clear alpha from the slot, 35% target share in 2019 as a true sophomore, then was on pace for video game numbers in 2020. 13 game pace would have been 140 receptions, 1,938 yards, 13 touchdowns, and had the lowest drop rate amongst all SEC wide receivers. This is a guy that's going to be a PPR monster. But let's talk about Rondell Moore. 
you know, we talk about Devonta Smith being an outlier from the standpoint of his size. Pick your poison because Rondell Moore is going to be an outlier based off of his height because he came in at 5'7 at his pro day, weighed 181 pounds, which is fine there, but there really aren't that many comps that you can make for a guy like a Rondell Moore. The shortest receivers that you have in the league right now that are productive are, are guys like T.Y. Hilton, who's five foot nine. You're not going to find any five seven wide receivers that have been productive in the league right now. I think the only other guy we can look at is like Jakeem Grant. He's at five six five six one sixty five. Like, I'm not throwing that comp out there, <laughs> but we're just talking about short receivers. That that's the concern. But everything else, every single other box with Rondell Moore is checked. And that's why I have him at my number five on this list. He has the highest upside amongst all prospects in this class. Wow. Because after just turning 18, Rondell Moore legitimately looked like a generational talent as a freshman in college at Purdue. He was commanding a 30% target share. Again, as a just turning 18-year-old freshman was seeing over 11 targets per game. That's like that's like 2019 Michael Thomas level of targets. Adds a ton of fantasy value with yards after the catch. He's a small, powerful, explosive slot receiver like a mini A.J. Brown. And then the speed, man. He, he ran a verified 4-3. I believe it was a 4-3-3 at age 17. At his pro day, ran a 437 96 percentile and isn't even 21 years old yet. That freshman year had 114 receptions on 148 targets, 1,258 receiving yards, 70%, 77% catch rate, and 12 receiving touchdowns. Added another 744 yards on special teams, man. This kid is nuts. He's absolutely insane. And the only thing that concerns me with Ron Moore is the landing spot. Is he going to go to a team with an accurate quarterback underneath or a team with high pass volume? I think if if he lands on a team where he's not redundant with a LaVisca Chenault, a Debo Samuel, a Curtis Samuel, he's a guy that's going to be used all over the field and is going to have a lot of splash plays. I couldn't be more excited for Ron Moore. I'm going to have a lot of shares just because of how excited I am to watch him as a fan. <laughs> me too, man. I love me some Rondell Moore. But speaking of explosive players, I want to get into my number eight. We're coming down to the wire here, our eight through 10 in our rankings. Mine's Kadarius Tony, a guy you don't even have in your top 10. But here is why Kadarius oh. Tony is my number eight because you talk about that explosiveness that Rondell Moore has. I think Kadarius Tony is another incredibly ex- explosive player in this class. Ran a 4.38 40-yard dash at his pro day. Has a 96th percentile burst score, which again is that vertical and broad jump blended score. So this dude is an incredible athlete, incredible explosion. 5'11", 189. Yes, he's already over 22 years old. Um, and a big red flag for Tony on top of the age is just a late breakout. Even last season at Florida in 2020, 70 receptions, 984 yards, 10 touchdowns. That's a good, solid stat line, but it doesn't like blow you away. And that was really the only productive season of note at the University of Florida. So that's where the red flag comes in. But with Tony, the reason I actually bumped him up to eight is because I found out Kadarius Tony 
coming into college was actually a Wildcat quarterback. So this is a guy who got to Florida as an athlete and had to totally learn the wide receiver position. We talk about these outliers and why guys didn't break out earlier. You mentioned it to me earlier today. We were texting back and forth. Chase Claypool was from Canada, didn't start playing football until later than a lot of these guys. Kadarius Tony has just started learning the wide receiver position, and he has a lot of things you can't teach. He has that athleticism. I think the reason we're starting to see him be mocked in these actual NFL mock drafts in round one is because maybe teams think they can get their hands on Kadarius Tony, use the unteachable athleticism that he has, and continue to grow him as a wide receiver. So I like the upside of Tony. I think he's only going to continue to get better as a player and as a wide receiver, and that's why I have him here at number eight. Um, so, Steph, I have Tony at eight. You don't have him in your top ten. It looks like your number eight is Tylen Wallace, a guy I have at number ten. Why do you have Tylen Wallace up at eight? What do you like about this prospect? Oh, I'm going to have so much Tylen Wallace in the mid-second <laughs> because if, if he hadn't gotten hurt his junior year, he would have been one of the best guys in last year's class, and then he would have been an early declare, just had a brutal ACL injury, as a junior, getting ready to go into the league, decided to come back and show everybody that he still had it. And he definitely did because he broke out as a 19-year-old sophomore, 1,500 receiving yards, 12 touchdowns, and then was on a roll his junior year until that injury, was on pace for close to 1,200 receiving yards, and then came back and in 10 games in 2020 was on a roll again. He was on pace for 1,200 receiving yards. So if we take the injuries out, this guy was a 1,000-yard receiver three years in a row at Oklahoma State. He was a target magnet. His target share was hovering just below 30% almost every single season. Obviously, the year he got hurt, it was a little bit lower on the year. But Alex, I know know you're not the biggest fan of Dominator, and I agree that it's not the the end-all, be-all. But for those who don't know about Dominator, it's the percentage of teams receiving yards and touchdowns. And Tylen Wallace had a 47% dominator. It's huge. Meaning he was literally half of a passing game for an entire offense. So I think he's a guy who can play a lot of roles for a team. He's not the biggest specimen. He's not the fastest. But my comp for Tylen Wallace, who's a guy you've already mentioned, is Tyler Lockett. A guy who can create separation, can go up in high point catches. This guy is, is a jack-of-all-trades, strong prospect who has the production, who has the measurables, is an elite in any specific category. But that's a safe bet that I'm willing to make in my rookie draft. Yeah, I like Tylen Wallace a lot. I do have him sneaking in there in my top 10 as well. But Steph, let's go to number nine because we both have Amon Ross St. Brown from USC at the nine spot. And Amon Ross St. Brown is just one of these prospects that isn't like the sexiest name. He's not a guy that has like the flashiest game on the field, but he's just such a solid wide receiver, 21 and a half years old, 5'11", 197. And at USC, he was productive every single year, each season that he was there, 2018, 2019, and 2020, over a 20% target share, hovered around that 70% catch rate for his entire career at USC. Amon Ross St. Brown is a little bit slower he ran a 4-6-1 40-yard dash at his pro day. Yeah, that, that made no sense to me, man. A little bit of a red flag happened. because, I mean, we knew he wasn't like this speed guy, but a 4-6-1 at your pro day is a little bit concerning. I do still think he has the ability to get it done, even with that speed as more of a possession type of receiver. 
He's not going to blow anybody out of the water, but he still does have burst. An 85th percentile burst score helps. You know, he's not just some liability of an athlete. So I don't want to read too much into the speed because he looked fine on the field to me. Shared that wide receiver room with Michael Pittman at USC back in 2019 and 2018 and still was very, very productive. It was really a 1A, 1B situation. But Steph, that's why Monroe St. Brown is at number nine for me. I mean, if 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 he had more speed, he'd be at seven or eight. I think we'd both have him a little bit higher. But what's going to be very telling about Amon Ross St. Brown is the draft capital, is a landing spot. I think he is a guy who is dependent on those two things coming together. You know, put him in a situation like his former teammate, Michael Pittman, where he goes into a receiver room that is lacking some talent, but we know he's a guy who can get open and can bring the ball in. I could see him playing a Michael Pittman role for a team. I do like Pittman a little bit more than Amon Ross St. Brown, even though Amon Ross actually outproduced him as a sophomore when, when Pittman was a junior. So these two guys are an interesting comparison to make. That's going to be the biggest thing. If the NFL is putting a lot of value into Amon Ross St. Brown, then I will certainly value him a little bit higher. Absolutely. And Steph, this brings us to number 10. And my top 10, we've hit on every single guy here, but your 10 is Diami Brown, a guy falling just outside of the top 10 for me. Diami Brown out of UNC. I want to hear what you have to say about this guy as your number 10 wide receiver in this class. What makes you like him over some of the other guys? You know, Canarius Tony, who I already talked about, even Dwayne Eskridge, Tamorian Terry, some of those deeper names. Why Diami Brown sliding in at the 10 spot for you? So if we're going to look at the profile of a guy like a Jalen Waddle, right? This this explosive field stretcher who can produce, like, give me Diami Brown at his value, at his ADP right now going in this late second round range, early third round range. Give me Diami Brown, a guy who's shown more production, broke out huge as a sophomore, had back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, and was a touchdown machine at UNC. He's 6'1", 185. He's a little bit undersized, but he he's like the Slim Reaper out there, man. He's a vertical threat like a John Brown, like a Kenny Stills. That's the kind of comp that I like for Diami Brown. His hands weren't the best. He did have a lot of drops in college, but he's young. He's fast. Hopefully he can bulk up a little bit in the league. And he's an electric wide receiver. I'm going to have him on some rosters. And if he weighed in 10 pounds heavier, I definitely have him a tier higher, well above Amon Ra, probably above Tylen Wallace. That's the only major red flag for me because he showed he could produce in the ACC, was good at a young age, over 20% target share as a sophomore and a junior. And what I like to see a lot in these prospects, especially these, these older guys, who were 21, 22 when they come into the league is that they got better every single year in college. And that's what Diami Brown has done. He was able to command volume and be efficient in an offense that had two running backs, absolutely dominating with Michael Carter and Javante Williams. And he was able to play that outside role and play it really, really well. So in the 11 games this year, 1,100 receiving yards, that's 20 yards per reception on 85 targets, brought down 55 of those for a 65% catch rate and eight touchdowns in 11 games. Got to love Diami Brown here as an upside shot, a guy who can play the field stretcher role for a team at the next level. This is where I feel really comfortable with taking shots 
on a guy with Brown or Waddles type of profile. You know, that that's not really a comparison that gets thrown around a bunch, but I like it there between these two type of players. Yeah, he's a guy that could definitely jump into my top 10 with the right draft capital. Um, you know, this has been fun stuff. I mean, here we are with our top 10. We'll throw it on the screen here just to recap for everybody watching, but... I think draft capital is going to have a big say and not only what round some of these guys go in, but what the landing spot is as well. And this has been incredibly fun to break down these top 10 wide receivers today. I'm sure we will circle back to a very, very similar series and see some risers and fallers after the NFL draft. But we're going to keep the conversation going in our discord channel. We're going to keep posting our wide receiver rankings and our rankings for every single position for these rookies in discord. Steph, Incredibly fun episode here today. Anything else to add before we sign off? That's a deep class, man. And, and we'll keep bringing yeah. the content. If you guys like what we're doing here, a like and a sub. Always appreciated. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.